the, the first Springsteen song that I really heard and listened to in earnest was Wild Billy Circus Story. I'm in my room at night listening to this thing, and I didn't really have the maturity at the time to get the lyrics. That kind of came later. But the fact that this guy was using a tuba just intrigued the hell out of me. I kind of got hooked at that point. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Set Lessing Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson, and joining me tonight is a new online friend, Stephen Drew. Stephen reached out to me and said, hey, I want to talk Bruce, and I said, well, let's do it. So welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you. It's wonderful to be here, Jesse. I appreciate the opportunity to talk. Yeah, well, uh, introduce yourself. Give us uh, your elevator pitch to the uh, audience. Well, I um, I am an author. Uh, that's uh, that's what I've been doing lately. I was uh, I was kind of called late to that late late in in life to that um, as the result of taking a little stroll across Spain a few years back, and I'll I'll talk more about that later. Oh, please. Um, but I became aware of you. Uh, through a writing colleague that you had recently, Yushin Lai. And um, I think I had put a comment on, uh, on her episode. And yes. Then, uh, and then she, she was uh, most adamant in suggesting that I join you. So, so here I am, and it's, it's great to do that. I've, you know, I've been listening to, uh, been listening to Bruce uh, for all of my adult life and probably half of my teenage years, I go back about 50 years, I'm 65. Uh, so I started listening uh, to Bruce in, in, uh, in high school. And my first experience with him actually was, uh, it's, it's almost too good to be true. It was in my, my darkened bedroom and I'm listening to uh, uh, what was then a progressive radio station back in the 70s. Okay. Uh, of course, on FM radio, the, the disc jockeys made up their own set lists and they right. didn't really care, you know, what the A&R guys were pushing for singles. And so the, the first Springsteen song that I really heard and listened to in earnest was Wild Billy Circus Story. And wow. I'm, I'm in my room at night listening to this thing and I didn't really have the maturity at the time to get the lyrics. That kind of came later. But the fact that this guy was using a tuba just intrigued the hell out of me. And I, I kind of got hooked at that point, you know. I, I love that. That is so great. Um, yes, I, um, I, I love, um, you know, uh, Ishan joining me. I, she was... Mm -hmm. Absolutely amazing. I, I want to yeah. have her on again. She she is so has so many great stories and such a a, a wonderful gifted you know storyteller. So yeah, a wonderful energy too. You know, yes. just a great person to chat with. I've never had the chance to talk with her. You know, she's 
she's uh, West Coast, I'm East Coast. And the only thing that we have connecting us is the, our, our publisher. So, uh, but it's, it's, it's really good. I love her work. I've, I've been reading her work quite a bit. Who knows? We may have to do a, um, a, a con call where the three of us <laughs> get together and talk. Yeah, um, yeah so uh, Stephen, I always like to start at the beginning. So you've already kind of given us a little bit how you shared Bruce, mm-hmm. but talk about growing up. Where did you grow up and what kind of music did your family listen to? I grew up in, uh, I was born in New York City, uh, but we moved to Connecticut. Uh, my dad was, uh, was transferred up to Connecticut for work. So I, my first 18 years I spent in New Haven and, uh, and then went, uh, went off and joined the Navy uh, at, uh, when, I, when I graduated high school. So I was, uh, I was out of there at that age. Um, and I didn't grow up in a particularly um, artistic uh, environment. Um, my, my father's uh, musical taste ran more in the, in the realm of, of, of elevator music, although he did seem to have a, 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 an addiction to uh, Bing Crosby, of all people. Okay. And, and I just, I, I, I couldn't stand the guy's voice, and I found out later from my mother that she couldn't either. But uh, <laughs> she, she had a little bit more going on musically. She liked Tony Bennett, and you can never go wrong with nope. Tony Bennett. So, Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, you know, and as, as far as my own stuff, um, I, I was more into uh, I was a quiet kid, you know, I, I guess I kind of still am. But I was a, I was a pretty quiet kid, an introverted kid. So I got into the, the singer songwriter types, you know, uh, you know, James Taylor and, and Cat Stevens and early Jackson Brown and, and obviously Dylan. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, because I was born in 59. I graduated high school in 77. So you're just a couple of years older yeah. than me. So you and I both have in common, at least, you know, from my perspective, you know, we, the heyday of AM radio, right? Oh, yeah. Like, I don't know about you, but I had an AM clock radio. Sure. And, you know, I didn't have a great sound system. I had an AM clock radio. I turned it to the local AM station, right. you know, and that's what I listened to, you know, and yeah. they would yeah. play a little bit of everything. Yeah. 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 They, uh, they, they used to use a lot of reverb and echo just to try to make it sound halfway decent. But, yes. But, you know, the tinny little stuff. So when, when the progressive FM stuff started, you know, we all kind of gravitated to that because it sounded halfway decent. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, and so, yeah. Yeah. Um, so as you started going and, you know, you talked about loving singer songwriters, mm-hmm. um, as you reach college age, are you still, is that still where you're listening? And is that where you, you, the your musical taste is is still more of those singer songwriters yeah that was always you know that was always in the in the the mix you know more of a you know a baseline I guess and then and then um but I got into I got into more I was more band oriented I guess during my 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 navy years okay Uh, and that was when I got a lot more serious about uh listening to uh Springsteen um, you know, I, I, I came into a pretty deep appreciation of, of the Born to Run uh, record. Um, but my favorite, uh, and it, it still really kind of remains that way, uh, was Darkness on the Edge of Town. Um, I, I thought he had really, you know, kind of grown 
as as a writer through that. I loved his writing voice, and uh, and uh, the, the 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 recording was just stellar, uh, you know. And I was really into, you know, uh, I was kind of an audiophile, a developing audiophile at the time, and I thought, you know really that probably still remains the the best sounding record they ever made it was it was really exceptional particularly the drums yeah uh, now but, you you mentioned you were in the were you in the navy how long were you I in, was the, in navy? the navy for four years yeah okay yeah. what uh what what did you do in the navy i was a navy corpsman i was a hospital okay. corpsman oh I was, uh, you know they used to call us doc you know yeah so, exactly yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah um uh, the reason I ask is one of my best friends um, served two tours, um, so eight years in the Navy, um, mm-hmm. all being a submariner, and oh uh, and so he he talks about that um, he cannot enjoy any movie that's set in a submarine because he just like that's right. wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong. Yeah, he says he yeah. can't get past it. So right. I right. always think that's interesting. Um, so you're you you've kind of talked a little bit about wild billy circus and and mm. the sound of darkness but yeah can you articulate what about bruce's music spoke to you and why to use his learn he's been a companion to you and this part of the ride right to quote yeah. you know land of yeah. open dreams yeah oh yeah yeah it's 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 interesting you know i i when i there's there's a lot of cross-pollination for me between between uh music and and literature so i i because i'm a writer i i tend to everything goes through that filter right so i tend to think of of songwriters in terms of their their uh, writing voice and that's something that always really intrigued me. And I can go hot and cold with Bruce. There's, there's stuff that I, I really, really enjoy. And there's stuff that I'm not, not as, fond, as fond of. Um, you know, at, at the shows, they call them bathroom songs, right? When you, yeah. you just, if it's time to go, then, the, you know. Yes. Um, so, but uh, it, it was the uniqueness of the voice and that this guy was, was using uh, techniques, if you will that that I didn't really think had been used other than, you know, um, I, I was hearing a lot of Dylan, obviously, in the early yeah. stuff. And, and uh, but that's all in the realm of influence. You know, I never right. had to say that, that that was something that was being copied by any means. You know, musically, I thought I, I, I would hear a lot of early Van Morrison, you know, but again, yeah. it was it was in the realm of, of influence. But with Bruce, it's about the storytelling, you know. And he's always, always been an exceptional storyteller and, and, and has influenced my writing, interestingly enough. And again, it's that cross-pollination. You know, know, Stephen, um, I've had, I don't know if you had a chance, but a guy named Ron Martz has been Mm -hmm. on the podcast and he is a very successful writer, um, has written probably, you name a comic book character for marvel dc or image or anything he's written them and he talked about that um his biggest two influences are stephen king and bruce springsteen in his storytelling he said that um and you know what was really interesting is and i don't know if you've had a chance to 
hear uh, any of Bruce's DJ work where he's, you know, on E Street Radio, where he's, yeah. you know, yeah, okay. And, yeah. and Ron said, we know he's a great storyteller. Why are we surprised that he can't tell a story in this medium? Right? right. Like he could tell a story in any medium he wanted. Mm hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, um, well, you know, it's interesting yeah, too please. is, 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 you know, I, I was thinking about this recently, knowing that, that I'd be talking with you. And, and, um, even there, there was one example that, that, that popped into my mind. I was trying to think of, you know, more specific ways that, that his work has influenced my writing. And of course I have a boatload of, of literary influences as well. Um, yeah. uh, you know, uh, in terms of, of, of how I phrase things sometimes, a lot of times I, I think I'm, I'm, I'm hearing, uh, you know, uh, girl from the North country, you know, right. the way that, the way Dylan paces that, that phrasing, you know, the, you know, the, the spoken, the, 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 the lyrical line, the, the, the musical line, and then alternating back and forth. There's a kind of a cadence with that. But there's also some, some really neat little literary gizmos that, that, uh, that, that Springsteen's turned me on to. And, and one comes to mind in particular. And this goes back to the Live from 7585 record. And he does um, uh, some storytelling at the beginning of the recording of The River. Yeah. And it's a stage banter kind of thing, right? And I think it was recorded in LA. Anyway, big crowd, right? And, uh, and he starts off by saying, he says to the crowd, how you doing out there? And they, you know, everybody cheers, you know, big roar and stuff. And then he says, that's good. And then he repeats it. That's good. Right. Then he goes through this whole story and he's talking about you know, how it was when he was a kid growing up and talking to his girlfriend in the telephone booth and, and how him and his friends, you know, uh, got their draft notices. And he talks about his relationship with his dad and how that was so difficult and, and how he never thought he'd be able to forgive him for cutting his hair that time he did. And, you know, all this, this story building tension, right? And finally, it comes down to where him and his friends get their draft notice and they've got to go up to up to the city for their 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 physicals and they all stayed out the night before and 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 they were so scared and and he comes back home and he walks into the kitchen and his parents are there and they want to know where he's been and he uh, so that he says well I, I went I had my physical and his father says well what happened and he said they didn't take me I failed and he said, that's good. It's that loop around thing. He plants the phrase twice to make sure you remember it and early in the story and then loops back to it and bangs it right at the end. Right. And I wouldn't know how many of those people actually consciously got the fact, got what he just did to them. But it's that 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 beautiful manipulative storytelling, you know, where I'm taking you on a little ride here but I'm going to drop you off. It's going to be okay. You know? And I've done that in my own work. I've done that in my own work. You know, I, I love that. And um, I know um, I was lucky enough to get to go see him at Broadway in person. And I've watched it on Netflix multiple times. And, mm -hmm. you know, he talks about that story of 
you know, his dad, like, wait till the army gets you, wait till the army gets yeah, you, wait exactly. till the army that's, gets you. That's the one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then, but then he, the reality of a father being worried about his son yep. brings in and go, that's good. Yeah. And, you know, and, and Stephen, one of the things that, like, I thought Independence Day was a fine song. Nothing mm-hmm. spoke to me till I went on when they did the river tour the second time where they were doing the album in 2016. Yes. And all of a sudden it hit me. Bruce is now older than his father was when he wrote this story. And now then he's singing it from the perspective of the father, not the child. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I went, Oh my goodness. You know, and the idea and I think all of us have had that problem where we have had, as he talked about, two people that adore each other and just don't know how to say it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I always like to preface this, Stephen, with the amount of times you've seen him perform live is mm-hmm. not a fair barometer of how big of a fan you are. Mm-hmm. But for yeah. the record, because there are yeah. people that have never seen him. There are people that because they live on the East Coast, have seen him hundreds of times. Uh, You know, I believe there are people and I just had someone on the podcast talking about this, that because of the Broadway Netflix show, because of his autobiography, that there may be people who are recent converts that have never had a chance to see him perform. Like they may have just become fans in 2018, 2019, saw the Western stars film and went, Hey, I like this guy. Uh So anyway, for the record, have you been able to see him live? And if so, how many times? I've seen him a a grand total of two times. Uh, And, and actually you mentioned the the 16 river tour. I I did manage to get to one of those shows. I was at the heart. Um, and I and I share your view of, yeah. of where he was where he was coming from with that. Um, and then the, the the first time I saw him uh, live was in '84 uh, uh, on the on the Born in the USA tour down in Philly. I was living in Philadelphia at yeah. the time, which is a good place to see a Bruce show at the old that, spectrum. Yeah, that's what I. There is. I was able to go see once um, in my son and I went up to New York and we saw him at MetLife, you know, stadium. And there was something cool about seeing him in Jersey, right? Like, Oh, this is, but you know, I know like Boston, Philly, you know, Madison Square Gardens, they're all kind of magical places to see him. Oh yeah. Early on, uh, you know, Philly was, was, uh, you know, that, that that was a a go-to thing for him back then. Yeah, exactly. It's so close to South Jersey or Central Jersey. It's right across the bridge. So it's, you know, sort of Jersey by proxy kind of thing. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's, it's funny. I, I, I've often asked myself why I haven't found myself at more shows. And, and I think it's because I tend to be introverted. You know, mm-hmm. uh, again, it's just it goes back to that, that I prefer my experiences of of him to be more personal yeah so i tend to listen you know it doesn't mean i don't listen at you know ear shattering volume i i like my music loud no matter where i listen to it sure 
but but the one thing that I, I do love about a Bruce show is there there is always a sense of community about it. And I was with a, a good friend of mine tonight, uh, my my pal Jerry, and I asked him kind of randomly. I said, "Hey, how many shows you've been to?" And and he thought a minute and he said, "Well, I guess around 20. And I think mm-hmm. that's probably a low ball. Yeah. So he's more the he's more the type that really enjoys mm-hmm. you know the, the the performance. And he yeah. just saw. Uh, he had just been to Broadway at the St. Mark's. So he was mm-hmm. still kind of riding off of that experience. Yeah. And he was there uh, on the 50th anniversary of Walter's death in Vietnam. Mm. And Walter's two sons were there. Yes. And he said, my God, you, you know, you want to talk about an emotional moment, you know, going along for that ride. You know, uh, just remarkable. Yeah. Um, a few years ago, I was able to have one of his sons on the podcast and mm. he told the story about him and his, you know, his brother calling him and saying, holy crap, Bruce Springsteen just talked about our dad. Yeah. And so um, they're both going to join me in a week or two. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. So I'm really excited oh, about cool. look at that um, because I can only imagine that and so I, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, I, what a yeah. great story. Um, oh, and so I'm. I want to. This may not be fair to you, Stephen. If if so, yeah. we'll move on. But put on your literary cap, and 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 talk to me as a fellow writer. Your thoughts of like his autobiography, and then also Western stars. To me, Western stars feels like a collection of short stories. It could, it could, I mean, I'm thinking Elward Leonard, Leonard, you know, Elmore Leonard almost, Elmore. right? Yeah. That, yeah. I mean, it, it almost feels like that could be that kind of show. Talk to me your feelings on that. Oh, absolutely. I, I loved uh, the, uh, the memoir. Um, and, you know, of course, I, I did listen to your conversation with Yishan and, and you asked her, you know, some similar questions about that and about, you know, the rule breaking, you know, my, my sense is in, in, in the publishing business, I think if, if Springsteen wants to write a book, he can probably write, you know, put stick figures in the narrative yes. and it would be okay with them. I mean, you know, right. It's, you know, there's not too many rules I think that would be required, uh, but I wasn't surprised in, in, in the least that uh, that uh, he did a, a really fine fine job um, you know there's uh, there's there's an analogy that I use between uh, people that write uh, creative nonfiction prose and poets mm-hmm. and, uh, and it's that the, the creative nonfiction people like myself are the guitar players and the poets are the piano players you know and you know, when I try to write poetry, I, I write pretty decent poetry. It always serves my narrative work when I, when I do. But, you know, you can tell I'm a guitar player playing piano. And I don't really get that with, with Bruce as a musician attempting to write. You know, a lot of times that just doesn't come off all that well. Um, but I thought he did a, a really, really fine job of it. And it filled in a lot of blanks for me in terms of, of his story, particularly stuff around leaving New Jersey. I thought that was that was just or leaving his, his uh, you know, that area when they when they, they, you know, 
struck out for the West Coast kind of thing, you know, and, and it was just, it was really sweet stories out there. Um, the, the Western Stars thing, yeah, I mean, that, that was just grand storytelling or storytelling on a grand scale. And yes. that, was, that, was, that was like, that was big work, you know, yes. really big. Uh, and, you know, it's funny when I when I saw that that movie, I was at with my pal, Jerry, uh, and we, we brought our dates out. And um, and I actually uh, you know, one of the one of the ways I know that I'm, I'm, I'm completely bought into something is I get time distortion and I could have sworn I was in that theater for about 40 minutes. Yeah. You know, it just went. Uh, so, yeah, that was that was some beautiful stuff. It had a literary quality to it, most definitely. I think so. And I think Nebraska, you could say, had a little bit of that feeling. Um, and He's so, been reading a lot of uh, Flannery O'Connor at the time he did yeah. that. And he was also, I think, you know, we know, we know there's, a, there's a thing with, with depression uh, with, with him. And I think coming off of that first river tour. Yeah. Uh, it was there was there was kind of an emotional crash, and all of a sudden he's back on the farm in Homedale, New Jersey, and and oh, like now what, you know? And I, and I think it was a very much. I know that happens to me if I get overstimulated or something. I wanna I wanna hit the home key and go within, and and that was precisely what what I heard in that record. Yeah, um, I want to flip hats for a minute, and let's talk mm-hmm. about your writing, and so. Um, talk about your book and, and, and mm-hmm. give us a little information about it. Yeah, sure. It's my book is called Into the Thin, A Pilgrimage Walk Across Northern Spain. And it's a memoir that centers on the experience of walking the Camino de Santiago in Spain. Mm. Uh, the, the Camino is a thousand year old pilgrimage route. Uh, it actually is comprised of several uh, pilgrimage routes. The one that I walked was the more traditional one, the Francais route. And it begins uh, in uh, the south of France in a town called Saint-Jean-Pied-de-Port in the Pyrenees. Uh, the first day it crosses a high pass, a very difficult walk, uh, crosses the border into Spain and then traverses the entire northern part of Spain through the regions of, uh, well, the Basque country, uh, Nevada, La Rioja, uh, Castilla y Leon, and then into uh, Galicia, and it ends uh, at the uh, at the cathedral in Santiago de Compostela, and 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 in that uh, cathedral, uh, allegedly, uh, are the bones of Saint James the Apostle of Jesus, and that is mm. the that is the physical objective, if you will, of the uh, of the Camino. I was called. Um, to, to go there. Uh, quite frankly, it was a rather dramatic calling. Um, I had just come off a, a very, very difficult year. In 2010, uh, uh, I had what I refer to in the book as an emotional crucifixion. Um, my, uh, I, I, I had a very close friend and mentor who uh, uh, had a, a relapse into a terminal disease, later, later passed away. Uh, my father-in-law, I was married at the time, uh, uh, passed away from uh, a terminal heart condition. Uh, I had a, uh, a stepchild who had a serious health crisis, mm. uh, 
uh, an experience in, in, in psychosis actually. And, uh, and, uh, and my 28 year old son uh, committed suicide. And at the end of all that, uh, my marriage came to an end. So hence the, the term emotional crucifixion, this is all in a calendar year. And uh, so that was at the end of 2010. And in 2012, I found myself uh, walking. It's a daily practice I have. I walk every day, uh, doing some contemplative walking. Uh, it was a very hot, humid day. Um, I had seen the movie The Way uh, the year before, which had reminded me of the first time I became aware of the Camino, which was back in the 1980s in a book I read. And as I was walking literally in the space of, of one step, Jesse, uh, the entirety of the reality of walking the Camino de Santiago just came into my life as, as an actual reality. And I had never had that kind of experience before. And at the time I really lost, I thought I'd lost my mind. Mm. Um, and it was about three years after that uh, when I actually uh, went and, and walked the pilgrimage came back and had decided that I was going to let go of the work I had been doing. I'd been working um, as, uh, as a, an addiction counselor and that I needed to let go of that. Uh, I wasn't exactly sure what was going to follow. Uh, but when I came back, uh, life had its way of, of telling me that it was, it was time to start writing about what had happened. And it, it reawoke, I guess, uh, a writing voice that I've always mm -hmm. had, you know, and that I had denied for, you know, a couple of decades. I hadn't, I hadn't made a serious attempt at writing since the mid-late 1980s. And here it is, 2016, and I start writing this book, which, you know, it's, it's, it's it, you get some interesting reactions when you say you're writing a book. You know, usually people smile and nod and say, oh, that's nice. A lot of people want to write a book. Yeah. Um, very few of those actually finish that book and a sliver of those get it published. And uh, and so things followed through. It was very definitely something that needed to happen. So that published in uh, almost a year, uh, September 15th last year, mm -hmm. which... Um, you know, of course, was was the year of COVID yeah. and uh, the worst year in publishing and the worst season and the worst year. Sure. Public. But there there it was. And so far, it's sort of like the little book that could, you know, it's it's uh, it's got an interest. It's got a small but dedicated following, I like to say. And uh, and I think it's kind of doing a, a slow percolate. You know, it's 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 kind of getting out there in the world and excellent distribution i hear from people in australia and the uk and canada it's just it's it's been it's been wonderful um but yeah so that and then i have uh, uh an, another book uh coming out in um uh be the late summer of next year and uh and a couple other things as well so it seems um i've i've centered myself there with uh with my writing you know it what I find interesting is um, I have a nephew that several years ago was really struggling finding himself. Mm -hmm. And um, he decided to walk the Appalachian Trail. Mm -hmm. 
you know, and he did the full trail and, um, and, and really kind of helped find himself. And then, you know, he ended up getting his degree in engineering. He was working a job, ended up not liking the gig for a lot of reasons. And, um, you know, and then ended up doing the Pacific trail, you know, Mm -hmm. and, um, and kind of recentered himself. And now then is, seems to be doing really well. He's, you know, he's, he's, he's working. He seems to be happy. He seems to be, you know, doing very successful and very well, but he needed that time. I I think that's interesting. And I, and I've got the book now pulled up and, and I'll add it to my, to be read list because I, I like that idea of, you know, I, I have had not as bad as you, but I've had, um, I remember going to my doctor and a few years ago, and I won't list all of them here, but there was one thing after another hitting me and, 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 and she's like, well, that you have valid reasons to feel quote unquote depressed. Right. Mm. Um, And there is, one of the things I did is I started podcasting more, you know, to me, the connection of like talking to someone like yourself or mm-hmm. my other guest and sharing that mutual love of music and how that power of rock and roll can, yeah. can bring us happiness, can bring us, you know, cheer us up when we're sad that help us mm-hmm. when we need to mourn was, was very cathartic for me. It sounds like your pilgrimage was exactly that. It was a pilgrimage. This wasn't just a, um, this was a spiritual experience to you. Oh, most definitely. Pilgrimage occurs and it, it's a really interesting thing. I, you know, I, I read a lot of Thomas Merton. I'm not really oriented toward Christianity, so it's, it's kind of weird that I'm into Merton. But, yeah. uh, uh, you know, he has this, this belief that, you know, pilgrimage, you know, the, the, the outer walk, if you will, is, is a reflection of the interior pilgrimage. And it's, there is this, especially when you go on an established pilgrimage like the Camino, people have been walking this for over a thousand years. And in fact, there's archaeological evidence that there has been walking going on out there, ceremonial walking going on out there for a long, long time, thousands of years. Uh, but just to the, you know, the, 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 the Camino de Santiago, just for the history of that, is, is about a thousand years. And there is an intelligence. It is remarkable. And it's almost a universal experience. There is an intelligence that directs the, the, the thoughts, that directs the heart, that supports the body, that gives you precisely what you need on any given day. And it's all about letting go of distraction. Wake up in the morning. Put everything you own in a bag, put the bag on your back and go walk and pay attention to what happens. That's pretty much it. Uh, so it happens in, 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 a, in, a, in a physical sense. It happens in an emotional sense. It happens in a, a psychological sense. And it happens very definitely in a spiritual sense. So it's, it's, it's something that's uh, uh, and it's all woven together. You know, it's like a it's like a tapestry. 
it's the, probably the singular most beautiful experience, outer experience I've, I've had in my life. You know, listening to you talk about that as mm-hmm. often goes to Bruce, the whole we take care of our own, right? right. Where's the mm-hmm. eyes, the eyes with the will to see? Where's the hearts that run over with mercy? Where's the love that's not forsaken me? Where's the work that will set my hands, my soul free? Where's the spirit that'll reign, reign over me? Where's the promise from sea to shining sea? You know, like you're feeling that, right? Like you, you're, you're open to, and I don't want to sound overly cheesy, but the universe speaking to you. I mean, you, you, you were a journey of healing. You were a journey of, of pilgrimage. And I, I think that's fascinating not only were you able to make that, but you had the skill set to document that in a book. So I, I'm looking forward to reading that journey with you. Oh, I, I, yeah, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on it once you do. I will. Yeah, yeah it's got, um, it, you know, and, and I will, I will, you know, full disclosure, I, I was very careful, you know, when I, I was, uh, you know, you're, you're browsing books and you, you see a cover you like, and then what do you do? You flip it over to read the back cover description and yeah. see what that's like. And I always thought it was the publishers that wrote those things. Actually, the authors do. Yeah. So I was very careful to to be as, as you know, to disclose as much as I possibly could, because it can be there are moments that this book is difficult to read. Yeah. It's not taxing to read. I, I, I think yeah. I write well enough to where it's a pleasant reading experience, but, but just the, the, the emotional nature of, of some of, of, of the material, it's, uh, you know, it has its moments, Jesse. So, well, um, forewarned. <laughs> no, no, I appreciate that. And, you know, um, I, I talked about in my interview you know, with our friend, mutual friend, right? That I I mentioned J. Michael Stravinsky book about his, you know, he's writing and also, but his autobiography becoming Superman is actually the first half of the book is him growing up with a very, very dysfunctional family. And Mm -hmm. there were times when it was painful to read what he was going through and Mm -hmm. and, um so ultimately though it became a story of triumph and you know and he and all that experience led him to be the writer that he is um so i I think from that perspective i appreciate the words of caution but i think that um you know there are times when i think that's a good storyteller a good you know, I remember um, this is going to be this is an outdated reference, but um, Gregory McDonald wrote the Fletch novels. Mm-hmm. You know, they were detective novels. And one right. of the books were um, it was chronologically it's the second book. Um, but he because in the very first book, um, spoilers, our hero Fletch dry, flies to Rio de Janeiro and um, and Gregory McDonald talked about, I didn't have the money to research Rio de Janeiro till four or five books later. And then, so he wrote that story. And in yeah. the book, the, the character Fletch has this horrible case of insomnia. And mm-hmm. I remember reading the book 
and feeling that way. I felt like I couldn't sleep either. Um, So, and that's when, you know, as you talked about, sometimes the story like, oh, it's only been, wait a minute, we've had an hour and a half movie. Wait a minute. I thought this just turned over. So that's amazing. Um, I, I, I apologize. I, 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 I need to go. I, I, I have, I, I ended up being double booked. And so I've been behind all night, but I cannot let you go. First off, we're going to have this again. I want to have you on again. We need to talk more. And I think after I read the book, I'd love to sit down For and then sure. let's talk about it more. Sounds but wonderful. I got to ask you the Mary question though, before we go. Oh yes. So um, <laughs> if you are um, a, um, a fan of Steven's work and you are going, um, didn't know he was crazy about Bruce Springsteen and who's this Jesse guy interviewing him. Um, the Mary question is how I end every episode. Uh, Jay Armstrong is an honors English teacher recently retired in the Philadelphia area. And he would spend his seniors would spend two days in their honors English class, breaking apart the song Thunder Road, looking at the lyrics, look at the imagery, talking about everything that the um, story is telling, the song is telling. And at the end of it, the question he asked this class, does Mary get in the car? So Stephen, that is your question. Does Mary get in the car at the end of Thunder Road? Before I answer the Mary question, yes. I am also going to weigh in on the latest little bit of controversy around yes. this song. Dresses do not wave, they sway. They most definitely sway. So and, and, I'm going on record with that. And I hear they're making a change in liner notes. They are. And what I am, this is a perfect symptom of, <laughs> uh, I'm going to get political just for a moment, is you know, this isn't, there are a few people that this isn't just a good natured. I mean, there are people that go, it is a waves and you will never change from waves till it's all from my cold dead hand. I'm like, John Landau says it's waves. I mean, let it go. Okay. Well, and also, you know, to be fair, Bruce's diction is not exactly. Oh, absolutely. You know, I mean, you almost had it, especially the early stuff, Jesse, you had a damn near oh. decode the thing, you know, like, what's he saying? You know, like, let, let's discuss the lyrics to Kitty's back. I mean, my God, man, you know, but, but. To the so, Mary- no, and I want to hear your Mary question, but I, I, I love telling the story. Um, my wife, Linda, had the same problem. She's like, I can't understand a damn thing he's saying. Yeah. And I said, okay, I, I grant that. I said, here's <laughs> what I want you to do. I said, I want you to pretend this is an instrumental. You know how Peter and the Wolf, where hmm. the, you know, the different horns play different characters. I said, I want you to just think of Bruce's voice as another instrument. Don't try to hear the lyrics. Don't try to understand what he's saying. Listen to the emotion of the song. And she came back and said, I still want to know the lyrics because I think he's got important things to say. But she was, but I will tell you, I enjoy the music more if I don't understand the lyrics or I don't have a lyric sheet in front of me. If I just do that, I can ride the emotion of him singing. Well, and I, and, and, and to, 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 to back that up, I would offer this. There is yeah. a, a John O'Donohue quote, uh, and uh, it's about this relationship between music and literature. Yeah. 
And he says, uh, music is what literature wishes it could be, if it could. I love and it's, that. It's, you know, how you can, you know, you can have a line of poetry, but you put some nice, big, fat, beautiful musical lines around that. And it gets very economical, very quickly. And, and that's what I try to do when I write. And I think you might pick up on this when you read my, my first book is, is I am trying to do what music can do, even though I know it's, it's absolutely futile to attempt. But so, you know, it's, it's that kind of thing. I want to, I want to bring that, that emotional content into it as if I've got those nice, big, fat, beautiful chords around it. There is a reason why Bruce chose to do Born in the USA as a rock anthem, not the blues version that he does on Broadway, right? There, mm-hmm. there, that was a conscientious choice of how he's, he chose that. And yes, it means that a lot of people have misunderstood what the song's about, but yeah. um, you know, he makes that decision. And I think that's really well said. All right, Mary question, my friend. Mary question. Mary most definitely gets in the car. And, and it's, it's, it's the, the, the hope and the joy and the exuberance of youth. My God, man, how could she not get in the car? You know, it's Bruce for Christ's sake. Yes. You know? Mary, get in the car. You know, it, it, it's, it compels her. You know, the, the whole energy of the thing. Of course she gets in the car. I can't to, to, to even contemplate her not getting in the car, turning around and, and, and walking away from that, you know? Jeez, uh, that would just be heartbreaking to me if she hadn't gotten in the car. So in, in my perfect little world, absolutely she gets in the car, most definitely. I, I love that. I love that answer. I love talking to you. Um, if someone wants to reach you, what's the best way they can? Uh, Facebook. Uh, okay. Stephen Drew, and then I have an author page, author Stephen Drew. Uh, if you okay. go on the Stephen Drew page, you'll see, a, uh, you'll know it's me, but there's a picture of uh, my backpack and the, and, the, and the Camino, a map of the Camino de Santiago. And, and then on my author page, there's a, a black and white moody author photo. So you'll, you'll know it from that. And then I have a website, authorstephendrew.com. Perfect. Um, I am so glad we got to spend time together. Um, My homework, I'm going to go read the book. I'm going to reach out to you. And then I can't wait to talk to you about it. Um, I I look forward to that as well, Jesse. Thank you so much for joining me. Listeners, you, please go get vaccinated. Let's all be safe. Let's remember to wear our masks. Let's remember to be good to each other because that's the only way we're going to get through this. Stephen, thank you. Listeners, thank you. And we'll talk to you soon. Goodbye. Bye, everybody. Thank you to my Patreons. Andrew Goddard, Betsy Hodges, Levi Petri, Elizabeth Bronson, Stephen Malio, Holly Mack, Steve Rogers, Dale Hosick, Terry Smith, Anna Lynn, Chris Bloom, and Mary Thomas. You all are my monthly angels. Thank you so much for the love and support you give on this podcast. You are greatly appreciated. You just heard the fun talking, hard rocking, music loving, album ranking, fan thinking, joy spreading, lyric reading, story sharing podcast. 
That is the one, the only, said Listing Bruce. The theme for Set Lessing Bruce was written by David Rosen, used by permission. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.